This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host Conor O'Neill, joined today by Chris Beasley and Gav Buckland as we look back on everything's disappointing 2-0 defeat to Manchester United at Old Trappers on Saturday afternoon. As well as looking back on the game as a whole, we'll also reflect on the change Sean Dyche made in formation and set up at Old Trafford. And of course, look at the bigger relegation picture after, I think it's safe to say, a weekend of interesting results at the foot of the table. Chris, you and I were both at Old Trafford on yeah. Saturday for the for the big game. Everton went there high in confidence, I think, after mm. the Monday night draw against Tottenham, which extended their unbeaten run to four games under Sean Dyche. But in the end, they were lucky to come away with just a 2 0 defeat. Yeah, um, and I was speaking to both Gavin and, and Paul Wheelock on Friday when we were previewing the game. And to be fair, we, we, we were in good spirits. Everton were four games unbeaten. And OK, Old Trafford has been anything but a, a happy hunting ground for, for Everton for, for a very long time now. And there's feeling that you know Everton could, could get something from, from this um, fixture. United in a, a busy period, um, still fighting on four fronts in the big Europa League um, game against Sevilla to come. So we knew Ericsson Hag had maybe shuffle his pack a bit, but yeah, even even so, it was they proved uh, more than a match. Whatever, and it was very disappointing. It was in many ways, um, and unfortunately, a, a sort of typical meek surrender at, at Old Trafford for, forever. And we've seen too many of those over the years. And like you say, Jordan Pickford's heroics at least brought respectability to to the scoreline, but they were carved open on numerous occasions, and it really could have it really could have been on another day, a very damaging result both in terms of morale from a heavy defeat and what that could do to the goal difference. Because if Pickford hadn't been on the top of the game, could have easily been about six nil there. So, and unfortunately, we were sort of relieved to just have a damage limitation, like say a, a more respectable looking 2-0 scoreline, but you know, hugely disappointing nevertheless. Gav, I'm gonna you know come on to the, the game more in depth shortly, but just overall, you know, reaction. Chris is right there, isn't it? It could have been a really down afternoon for Everton if Manchester United would have took the chances. Yeah, I mean I think there was a stat that came on the screen after 18 minutes, I think that said that United had already had eight, eight attempts on goal, which is after after 18 minutes, is, is, is you don't want to see that. And, you know, we'll talk about tactics and stuff, but I just thought, I, I, we spoke about the various permutations open to dice on, on Saturday. We spoke about them on Friday, and I don't recall anybody saying 4-4-2, mm. uh, to be honest with you. And, and I think that was really the main, aside from the fact I don't think the players were at it for once of a better phrase, I found the tactical setup at the start baffling, to be honest with you. Chris, Gav says they're baffling. Yeah. I think raised eyebrows for me, you, and Joe Thomas in the little yeah. type of press box when we realised, you know, in a couple of minutes there, we're playing 4 4 2. And yeah. Sean Dyche completely ripped up what has become the norm since he took out, you know, since his first game back in February and, and gone with something new. 
Was you surprised to see such a, a drastic change made by the Everton boss? Yeah, a little bit because I suppose when when we got when when the, um, it was Ellis Sims coming into the lineup, it might have even retained the four five one. We could have um, moved Gray back onto the wing and put a Wobi in the middle and retained that system which he's, he's used throughout his time. Um, and I suppose we were all sort of surprised when he first went four five one over two months ago, given that he'd predominantly gone with four four two in nine and a half years at Burnley. But after the relative success that he's had with it at Everton and the fact that he's been able to keep things compact and and tight to, to go through Old Trafford and go four four two, and when they've normally got three in the middle as well, um, even without Casemiro, um, yeah, and getting totally overrun, and that's the pace they've got on, on the breakers as well. They were they were ripped open uh, on far too many occasions. It was a, it was a bold move, and I just wonder whether it was made. I mean, you can't ever and can't sort of discount fixtures. There's certainly no free hits. There, but, uh, I often I sort of wonder now whether it was sort of made. Well, well, see what how we do here, and we can build on this and go with this way against. Fulham, but yeah, against Manchester United, it, it was ruthlessly exposed. So we we were surprised, really, and it just it just left Everton um, overwhelmed it in key areas. And like we said, it's, it's been well documented that was it the, the Opta stats, the, the the most shots since they started recording those sort of statistics. The next half, yeah. Off, yeah. So um, yeah, it, it backfired. I guess the big question is now: is that, does he persist with it, given that the Corday's got another couple of games out suspended? Uh, or does he, does he go back to the drawing board uh, for the next game? We are going to come on to that. But Gav, no, was you equally as surprised as everyone? I think that Sean Dyche opted to go 4 4 2, given it was Manchester United away, given they play free in midfield, and given you know Everton have been known not to have much legs at times so far this season. You've answered there, you've given my answer there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, it's just baffling. I mean, I. I the one thing watching Everton over the last five or six years for me is is whenever we have two in midfield rather than three, we've got problems. Mm. And that goes back to Marco Silva's days. And, and it was obviously there in Ancelotti, who's a 4-4-2 merchant, is that we allow ourselves to be uh, outmaneuvered in midfield. I remember Carlo playing two midfield at Chelsea before lockdown in March 2020. He played two against Chelsea's three. We got made the 4-0. And we, 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 the, 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 the key thing within there, and that showed to me again on, on Saturday, and one of my hobby horses is we haven't got a natural number six. And that was quite obvious on Saturday. If you play 4 4 2, you need, I always think you need a natural six just to protect the back four and, and to snip, you know, snuff out any danger. And we haven't got a natural, we haven't got a natural six. Garner Gay isn't a natural six, and Arnesian isn't a natural six. And consequently, we can get away with it when we've got three in midfield because you've got the numbers there. But if you've got two in midfield, your lack of a natural number six is going to work against you. And that, that that's, that's for me, was uh, quite apparent on, on Saturday. The, the, what, what I was surprised with is, knowing full well after 20 minutes, as I say, United had had eight attempts on goal at that stage. At that, at that stage, why didn't Dice change it then? Why wait till half-time? Why don't why don't you put a Wobi into the middle, move Gray out wired, and then put uh, just leave Sims on his own? Why 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 wait till half time to change things? That was the other surprise for me. It was obviously not working after twenty minutes. Change it then. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In terms of just just to stick with you there, Gavin, in terms of surprise, do you think that was Saturday was the first real kind of black mark against Sean Dyche since he's come in? Obviously, there's been a lot of plaudits thrown his way, a lot of kind of credit. But I know it's, you know, the players weren't exactly the race themselves, but. To me, that genuinely felt like it was all on the manager that defeat because he set the team up wrong and he, he paid the price. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the players didn't didn't apply themselves. I mean, it was also one of the one of their worst days, wasn't it? Really, and some of that was down to playing, you know, play, you know playing a high line, which sort of magnified the, the tactical error. Uh, I think so. I mean, it was pretty. The first half was pretty similar against Arsenal, wasn't it? We played it fast and loose for half an hour and then got caught out just before half time. And it was a little bit like that on, on Saturday, I think. I mean, because we had quite a lot of attempts ourselves, didn't we, on Saturday? I think, yeah. you know, no, only one on target. Which is, in the Premier League that weekend. Yeah, yeah, which shows you what the type of game that we got ourselves into. But we're never going to win a game like that against the big team because the big team's got more firepower. And that, that, that was the mistake that was made. And I think... I think you know the, the, that combination of the, the tactical setup, playing a high line, which you just didn't get, and they quite rightly took advantage of that, and then not changing it quickly enough contributed towards it. But I think yeah, United definitely the worst. You know it's, the worst. Slightly worst. What Gav says mm-hmm. in terms of the way United exploited Everton's weaknesses. Seamus Coleman obviously gave a goal away. Yeah. You know it was a fault for Anthony Martial's. Goal, you know, United second, yeah. but unfortunately, Ben Godfrey on the other side, sub to half time, yeah. endured a torrid 45 minutes where, quite simply, he was just chasing after Anthony for, for the fell of the first half. Yeah, I think there was there was one that, to be fair, he did make a, a great last ditch tackle, but yeah, he, apart from <laughs> apart from that, yeah, it was different because it's been it's been uh, when Godfrey's um, brought a, a new element really to the position. Mm-hmm. Mikalenko been in there for most of the season. And there was at the Forest game when uh, Godfrey gave back to start this un- unbeaten run, to be fair. And Mikalenko was sick, wasn't he? Yeah, he was sick got that day and yeah, he's been on the bench ever since. He's um, obviously a lot more athletic than, than, than Mikalenko, a lot, a lot more sort of robust, fit, uh, offers more physicality. But I think one of the things we were saying on Saturdays, See, at times he, he's very wary about using his, his left foot, um, and uh, that can get him in, into trouble as well. It, it, it's difficult because, yeah, he had the tight time, he got the hook at half time, and then Seamus held his hand up for, for the mistake for the for the second. But it'd be interesting now what, what Deitch does in terms of, um, you know, Patterson and Mikalenko both knocking on the door there, but. Does he necessarily? I don't know if he has to change it. It's very difficult um, circumstances. Like I said, the pace of United on the break, Rashford, um, Anthony, and uh, the way they just um, swarm forward. And Jane Sancho as well, who was, was playing as well. Um, very di- difficult, and yeah, a combination. It was that was it's, it's like a bad combination of like we say the, the tactics 
being being wrong, and also the players themselves um, not not being um, at the races. I mean, I made a point of it in the, in my analysis afterwards, and I'm certainly not um, giving away private conversations. And I didn't say what Graham Stewart had said in response, but a number of former pros had come up to him after that game, and they were very down and just about how easy, how straightforward that was for Manchester United on, on the day. And, you know, we can say and pontificate as much as we want, but, you know, we're ultimately lame. And so for the you know, for former top-flight professionals to come out and say, you know, that, that wasn't good enough for, for Everton, that, that's, that's about as damning as it, as it, as it goes for, for when your fellow pros are calling you out. I think as well, look, I've one of the, the big issues again on Saturday was just how easy Everton conceded, wasn't it? You know, individual mistakes, not tracking runners. You look at the goals Everton have conceded in recent weeks, you know, they get to concede one where you think the opposition is absolutely, you know, played them off the park or, you know, produced them over to magic. A lot of the time, Everton have been at the at the, at the, at the, the front of their own, their own downfall. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the second goal is, it happens, doesn't it? I mean, there's inevitability once Martial came on the pitch that he was going to score. He's just one of them players, isn't he? But, the first goal is, I mean, I think we had eight players in and around the box, didn't we? And not one of them deigned to put a challenge in or to clear What's anybody out. And then and then we had that, you know, an honour who I thought was average at best on, on Saturday. I thought he was poor, one of his worst games. Just let's, not for the first time this season, let's a midfielder on attack, you know, run past them and this time right in, in our box and once you do that you, 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 you're really vulnerable and Matt Tomine you know you give him it was frustrating that having if you pick for having denied United so many good chances with his own own heroics to, to concede one where our defence was a clearly a fault both collectively and individually in Anana's case and that, that was frustrating really and uh, the Coleman one, as I say, that just happens. I mean, I mean, it was a miracle we were only getting beat one after 70 minutes, really. Mm. I think, obviously, we're you know, going to come on to it now. You know, I think Amador, the fallout from Abdelazid Corey's red cards against mm-hmm. Tottenham, obviously, you know, there was plenty of backlash against the way Harry Kane reacted and yeah. stuff like that. But obviously, the big concern for a lot of Evertonians was who replaced them wherever it went from there for the three games that followed. Yeah. Obviously, we saw on Saturday, Sean Dyche brought Ellis Sims back into the, into the team and, and change formation after on Saturday. Where do I have it go from here? Because they've still got two more games to go without Abdelazid Corre, and they are two huge games in Fulham at home and Crystal Palace away. Yeah, um, like I said, it's it's difficult because it, you're not necessarily going to get the same level of threat from other opponents as you are from Manchester United, but that. Whoever had been the opponents over this two-month period, Everton had this, what had become a tried and trusted 4-5-1 formation. So you would perhaps be inclined to go back to that in, in, in terms of, uh, I don't know whether possibly Fulham at home might be the one where somebody like Iwobi could go back into central midfield rather than a, a James Garner, who we, we'd kind of as a consensus on Friday thought we'd, we'd go with above Tom Davis, but they'd be the two natural ones for, for central um, midfielder. Yeah, it's, 
strange, really, isn't it? Because as I was saying, it had been Deitch's bread and butter for nine and a half years. It didn't always play that way, but predominantly mm-hmm. went 4-4-2. But geez, it just seems like it was the wrong game to sort of to implement that. Um, it'd be a, it'd be a key call, of course, to see what what he does because you know we're going to discuss this on the next pod, I guess, coming forward to the to the weekend. But you know, Fulham always was a, a must win forever, and it, and it certainly is uh, now. So whether he whether he does go more positive for that, or perhaps just be stick with the four five one because that you know it, it, it has produced victories at home so far and um, under his reign, albeit in the like, sort of different circumstances. Gav, was you almost surprised of how much Everton missed Abdullah Kora on Saturday? Obviously, you no know, starts the season. You know, for a large part of the season, he's found himself frozen out by Frank Lampard. He didn't get a look in. Look like he was going to leave in January, and then Frank was sacked, and you know he remains and become a mainstay under under Sean Dyche. Was you surprised how much Everton kind of missed his energy and and missed his presence in the middle of the field? I, I don't think he could say anything really on that because he played a completely different system from when he was in the team. If he'd have played four five one, and Iwobi had played in there, I could have made an assessment of whether we'd missed the core or not. But four four two is it's, 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 a, it's a completely different system. It's a meeting two vads system, isn't it really? And Is that like that maybe why we missed him one in the sense of he wasn't convinced anyone could offer what the core does. We chose the best way to. Mm-hmm. To, yeah, to try and fix it was to change formation completely. Yeah, on, on yeah, yeah, on 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 that basis that actually it, the the fact that we went to four four two highlighted that we that we missed them even before we got on the pitch. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a fair comment. But I'm just it's a bit like Carver Lewin here, isn't it? You know, we've got. I mean, Jacore is a decent Premier League centre midfielder. Is he? he's not Brian not peak Brian Robson, is he? <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, and it's slightly worrying that Cal, like Cal Lewin, is you take one player and, and it's a reflection really on the the lack of depth we've got in the squad, isn't it really? That taking one player who is okay, he's a decent Premier League midfielder, he's on a decent run of form, affects us so significantly. That's the concern for me, rather than just to call his absence per se. And, and th- that we've had to make, what, three positional changes? To, to counter that, and I just think, I just think that um, that that was the that was the, the concern rather than it being on on the pitch missing to Corey. It was just the fact that Dice had to completely deconstruct the team to to try and make make something where where I actually I think one of the options we said on Friday about playing Wolby or Garner, James Garner there would have been would have been better. But you know we, we've got to be careful here. The core is okay, isn't he? But he's not. So he's not not a world beating midfielder, is he? Um, he's just on a decent run of form. And but I also as well shows we, we said about this on Friday, didn't we, Chris? Is within the Ferrari over Harry Kane, what a completely unprofessional and dangerous act that was by the core, wasn't it? And that showed that up, hasn't it? I mean, we're talking about like saying dice you used the wrong tactics, and the players perhaps didn't get used to them properly and. You know, didn't didn't perform. One of these why well, didn't perform. But ultimately, a lot of that falls at the core. He's doorstep, doesn't it? Really, he's caused it by um, amateurish behaviour at Goodison. Totally, and the season. Bees, in terms of you know, 
Tom Davis and James Garner. Obviously, they sat there on Saturday watching the change of formation. Yeah. You know the, the the changes that that Frank it's Sean Dyche made. Sean Dyche made. So yeah. see, if you're down to there, you must be kicking your heels and a little bit frustrated that you're not you're not given the nod to come in and and, and go like for like and replace what what what's been you know the norm since Sean Dyche kicked off his Everton reign. Yeah, it must be disappointing for those two lads, given that they're both natural central midfielders. I mean, we've been talking about it all season, the balance of the midfield. I know we're something gaffs particularly um, vexed about in that he doesn't think that the, the balance is right. But yeah, um, we know neither of those would be anything close to like-for-like replacements for Decorey, but they, they were central midfielders who both come off the bench and contributed to varying degrees in the latter stages against Tottenham Hotspur. So for neither of them to have gotten the nod for what we thought would be you know, the, the, the least disruptive change, continuing the 4-5-1 and uh, putting central midfielder in for a central midfielder, albeit one that offered different attributes. So yeah, it got to be disappointing for them because neither of them had a lot of minutes this season. Obviously, James Garner's come in from Manchester United. That was another thing. I thought maybe he'd want to have extra incentive to do well against his former employers. Um and obviously he's had the injuries so yeah for, for those two too it's almost like um, perhaps doesn't um, trust him and the fact that he's, he's willing to bring in a different player in a different position rather than uh, uh, bring in somebody who would continue the 4-5-1 with I think as well Gav you know in terms of you know, Chris said there they both be disappointed you know if you're Tom Davis obviously you know his contract's up in the summer this is almost kind of feels like it's leading to one conclusion doesn't it in terms of he's not going to get a look in that much not given a chance when you know it was a golden opportunity for him to be maybe given the nods. It's all kind of feels like it's it's leading one way, doesn't it? Come the summer. Well, in terms of Tom Davis not getting his contract renewed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would think so. Though to be fair, the club has said there's a few players in that position where I think there's a there's an acknowledgement is that because of our position in the table, we're not making any decisions. I, I would have thought. I mean, my part is what's that previously, but you would imagine if they were going to keep Tom Davis, he would have renewed his contract last year. Possibly. I mean, yeah, and, and if you're thinking, if I'm going to get a game in the first team, today's the day, isn't it really? To, to be honest with you, and the fact he didn't probably means that Dice probably doesn't trust him. I would imagine with James Garner, his, his lack of match fitness maybe came into him not being selected. Possibly. But yeah, if, you, if you're Davis, and, and, and another one there is Mopay, isn't it? Well, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're playing four four two, and you've got a fifteen million pound staker, and you're not playing him as in the two. And so, if you're Mopay, you'd be thinking, "What am I doing? What am I doing here?" So, yeah, it raises it raises some questions, doesn't it, about some players' futures? And but also, as I said, going back to my previous bit about the lack of you know the lack of options that base has got really outside his tried and trusted say first eleven or twelve players. You know, bees in terms of the weekend's game, mm-hmm. Gav just touched on the day, you know, in terms of the, the questions and stuff like that. It almost felt like an afternoon where more questions than answers were raised, doesn't it? You know, you come away from there, you know, we, we've discussed yeah. a few of them here, but there's so many kind of on the afternoons where a lot of things just come to the fore of your mind where you think, oh, this and that. And, and it wasn't one of them days where there was more questions than answers. Yeah, unfortunately, like we already mentioned, uh, Jordan. Pick for masterclass people, rightly so. Talk about the way that um, Ramsdale um, performed at, at Anfield yesterday in, in what was a, a high-profile um, fixture. But yeah, if it hadn't been for Jordan Pickford's 
heroics have already said it could have been you know a very damaging defeat rather than as much as we're disappointed now respectability has actually mm. been uh, maintained but yeah there are now question marks well, I mean I'm not too sure I mean personally I'd probably actually stick with them because like I say the Manchester United offer a certain threat but no there are question marks there or the centre-backs or whether he continues with the 4-4-2 because as we said it's Fulham always was you know a must-win fixture and just how uh, Everton cope with, with, without Abdelay decoding because not just Fulham of course there's Crystal Palace another away game the other week in the NFC uh, we're glad I guess we're glad that they uh, they, they they won against Leeds United uh, so so emphatically uh, there. I mean, sort of they're moving away now from uh, a couple of weeks before or uh, Uncle Roy came back and they they looked like they were in the thick of it. And they've moved away, so I guess it was good that they they defeated uh, Leeds United. But of course, going to that, I mean, what what do Everton do? A revitalised uh, Crystal Palace and in uh, less than a couple of weeks' time now. So yeah, like you said, there's a lot of questions to to come out of that uh, that game with. Gav, you know, in terms of you know beast us on a day, but you know Palace went to you know come from behind at Ellen Road on Sunday and, and win five one. He's obviously went for Wolves, Bournemouth, and West Ham. West Ham, yeah. obviously, and obviously, you know, Leicester were beaten, Southampton were beaten, you know, Everton were beaten, and Forest were obviously beaten by Aston Villa yeah. as well over the weekend. I think it was one of them get one of them weekends and sets of results where if we need any more proof that this relegation battle is going to the very wire, it, it was one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was I was thinking it to be, you know, that Jeff Boycott thing and in, in when he's watching a team. Batting, and he always said, you know, you think you're doing well when you're batting, but are you doing that well if you'd had two wickets to your score? And I think that's a little bit what it's like at the bottom of the Premier League at the moment, isn't it? You think you're doing okay, but if you don't get any points in two successive games, the, the position changes mm. completely, doesn't it? And and we're sort of getting into that that territory, aren't we, with Everton that we've got a point at Spur, against Spurs. We got beat on Saturday. And then it's all on Fulham, isn't it? Really, you know, we 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 need to pick up points. We don't want two consecutive defeats because that that can be really damaging. And and you've seen that a few times this season. And the opposite, the, the other way is if you have two consecutive wins. Look at Palace. Two. I mean, West Ham have won two out of three, haven't they? Yeah. And yeah, it, it's it's topsy turvy. I mean, I don't know. We want Palace to win whoever they play, don't we? At the weekend, you want them to have thirty six points before they play us, maybe sort of take the foot off the gas but yeah you're right I mean I'm not sure whether there's nine teams involved now I think you can probably write Palace off Carney. I think they probably only need maybe one win and maybe a draw or so possibly Wolves it's it's looking like maybe three from five maybe at the moment yeah three from five or six I think there's there's probably three teams who might may Think you know that we've we've done enough over the last four nights or so to to to, to stay up. I think and and again you're looking at the fix. Somebody said that it was it last week of the 86 games at the bottom nine had to play. There was 18 matches where there's the playing against each other. Two of the teams are playing against each other, so that's yeah. a lot of you know it's a lot of competitive games there, isn't it? And a lot of points that are going to be won automatically. So, yeah, it just shows you the topsy-turvy nature of it and the fact that actually, we'll obviously talk about the later on the week, this Fulham game looks absolutely massive, doesn't it, really? On the weekends when 
think Leicester are at Man City, aren't they? And Forest play Man United at home. Yes. Yeah, so you're looking at... You've got to pick up a win on Saturday to take advantage of that because at some point we play City at home, don't we? Play Newcastle at home. And uh, it, it is funny. And also as well, how some fixtures... Well, we always say this, don't we, on the pod, saying a few years, is fixtures a month away that look hard, a month later look, are a bit easy. And the opposite way around, isn't it? So Fulham looks easier now than what it did a month ago. Oops, but Palace looks a lot harder. Bees, I'll ring you in on the whole fixture debate because I think what Gav was trying to say there is that you can think you're in for an easy ride and then end up getting caught cold and think you're going to be in for a tough afternoon and things quite down. I think that is the case if you look at Everton's upcoming fixtures to the end of April. Yeah. What it's going to be like, isn't it? You know, you look at Newcastle just found form, Fulham have slipped off, but Everton can't take nothing for granted because it's all on them to get themselves out of trouble. Yeah, it's so close, as, as, as we're saying, and that's a good point that Gav makes about the amount of head to heads that come up. So there's inevitably something. I think, I think there's a, a, is there a rele- at least one relegation, what we call six pointer from, I think it was last weekend, so we did the final weekend of the season, yeah. every week. Wow, so, you know, there's, there's no let up, and that, that shows you, you've got to keep, just got to look after yourself, aren't you, and keep yourself um, ticking over, and that was all. That was always the hope with Deitch, that you're going to do better than at least three other teams, that's got to be the hope, and uh, that's what we've got to put our, our faith in, that they can do that, but yeah, it, it, it's absolutely uh, massive, to, the Fulham game, I mean, don't want to be, you can't preempt. Anything, but at the same time, we've had all these dikes in recent weeks. Has had to go to various grounds that have been awful, been absolute stinkers for Everton for a long time. Anfield, Arsenal away, Chelsea away, Manchester United away. On the flip side of that, we all know that apart from when it was coronavirus and behind closed doors, Everton almost always beat Fulham at home. So, mm-hmm. like I say, you can't be confident, you can't be cocky, you can't be complacent. But you've got to go into it with a positive mindset and, and hope that Everton can can get the points next weekend because they really need to do. Gavin, in terms of another relegation battle and where things stand, it's almost now as well, isn't it? If Everton were to slip into the bottom three at one point, which you know doesn't look beyond the realm's possibility, that you can't get too down, disheartened, and think it's all over. You've got to dust yourself off and go again because, like we've seen, you can quite frankly go from second bottom to fifteenth off the back of. One result for yourself and two results going elsewhere. Going, going for you elsewhere. Yeah. yeah, it's that mad stat up until a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? Isn't it? When you you were safer playing the team in eighth than the team at the bottom of the table. Yeah. <laughs> in the in terms of the, the amount of points that you could lose, you're more likely to lose against the team bottom of the table than the eighth position. Yeah, and and it can change. It's just that it's the 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 margins are becoming. Tighter now, aren't they? And I think, the, the, I think the positive side is to say that when we were when we were in the office, what well, be about a month ago before the Forest game, and you think we got Forest away, that's tough. Brentford, that's going to be tough, and then these three against the so-called Big Six, and we got four points from the Forest and Brentford games, and and then you're thinking any that we get from the Big Six, I mean, we managed to get from the three games, we managed to get two points. So in that context, we've done pretty well, I would say, out of a, a a really difficult set of fixtures there. But to take advantage of that, you've got to get 
you know, these next three games, I think Newcastle will be difficult, obviously. Fulham Palace, Newcastle, you're looking at ideally you'd want, you know, possibly five points from those three matches, I think, would be par for the course, which would then take us to what, 32 from 33 games, is it? Um, so, so you're in with the shout then. You, you're looking and we just need two wins, possibly, from five matches. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, it, it, it's... Always look on the bright side of life and stuff. And it's, it's... You're always going to be a position, I think, where you can get it back over the next few weeks. But you you, you want to get in a position where, like, sort of Crystal Palace are, don't you really? Where you just need a win or two. And that, that starts on Saturday. Just one thing we want to talk about because I think eyebrows were certainly raised over the weekend. Well, me, you were certainly surprised when it emerged that Jesse Marsh was the front runner to take over at Leicester. Yeah, obviously that you know last night looked like it's dead in the water, mm. and it now appears that Dean Smith is going to go in in the interim until yeah. the um, the end of the season at Leicester. Is that a sign? I think that you know almost Everton done the right thing in January. Okay, you know it wasn't. Didn't work out the way people wanted to with Frank, but they got rid of you know Frank Lampard and brought in the best place for job in terms of a trying to keep them up and be you know the worst comes to the worst and they go down. Someone who knows what it takes to get back out the championship into the Premier League at the first attempt that they were ahead of a lot of the other clubs because now you look at you know, clubs who've sat managers and stuff, it seems like they're chasing the tails and, and a lot of them don't really know where you know where to go and who to turn to next. Yeah, um. Yeah, unfortunately, let's hope he doesn't come to this. But yeah, I've said I've been on record already saying that I think that Sean Dykes would be the right man for Everton, regardless of the Premier League or, or the Championship. Um, let's, let's not think it up, but it's, of course it's a possibility. But um, yeah, um, I, 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 I don't know where Everton would have gone if they hadn't gone with Dykes. Um, they were going down under Frank Lampard. I'm convinced of. I'm convinced of that. Totally convinced of that. And look, we've gone in at Chelsea. They all love him there. We talked about that on Friday. He got beat. Let's hope he can actually do do Everton some favours between now and the end of the season. Not put Everton into a mess by not mm. picking up points where Chelsea would be expected to do against some of the strugglers. But yeah, they'd, they'd be scraping around. I don't know um, who they could have gone for. I mean, I think that Deitch is a very good fit for Everton. I think that a football snobbery has prevented him from getting the job in the past and it's taken Everton to be at their lowest ebb for him to come in and regardless of what division they're in uh, next season, uh, I think he's the man uh, to turn it around. I just hope, obviously, we all desperately hope because of all the... Uh, I, I wouldn't know where to start from a financial point of view if they weren't in the, in, in the Premier League, but um, it, it certainly wouldn't have been as straightforward as the way Burnley, have, his mm-hmm. former club, have bounced back under very distant circumstances this season under Vincent Company. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I think it suggests that with if it is Smith going in at Leicester and Jesse Marsh, it's all, it's, it's all fallen through. I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't have been happy with Everton taking on an appointment like that. And it, it's almost like Friday. It's actually similar to Burnley last season where they got rid of Deitch, uh, which was on Good Friday last season. But I don't think we've actually reached the anniversary of that yet. When um, they took, got rid of him and brought Mike Jackson in, um, uh, the Scouser, actually, because it's almost like, well, we're just going to gamble now. We'll just see mm-hmm. if some sort of um, severe reaction New manager, yeah, just does a bounce, and it did for a time actually with, with Burnley. But yeah, it's, it's desperate stakes now. I think for, for anyone who, who, who changes the manager who goes with it from between now and the end of the season. 
no, Gav, just, just to finish up there, you know, Chris says it's desperate stakes. And when you look, you know, Hodgson going back at, at Palace, Harry Garcia coming in on, you know, what's described as a flexible contract at Leeds. Yeah. Dean Smith is an interim at Leicester. You know, you know Gary O'Neill thinks on a short contract at, at Bournemouth. You know, just these last few weeks shows us how important it is to stay in the Premier League and how everyone is fighting tooth and nail to avoid relegation because all clubs know the damage what, what, what being out the top flight does, even if it's just for one season. Yeah, well, I think some more than others. Some bounce between the Premier League and yeah. Championship, don't they? That's that sort of part of the business plan, isn't it? You know, it, it's it's for the well well established Premier League clubs near the bottom, which I would imagine would include Leicester, ourselves, West Ham. Yeah. In, in in that group, uh, you know that actually that we're, we're in the ones in the most danger army because we have a, a business model set up for the Premier League. I'm not sure whether Bournemouth would do. For example, not Forest, well, Man's money, not Forest has been possibly. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just shows you. I mean, I, I, I spoke about this on Connor on Friday, and you know, that the appointment advice we be said looked quite late, you know, compared to when it should have been made. But compared to how other clubs have, have changed managers, it looks relatively early, doesn't it, really? And um, I think we've had the benefit of that. How, how other, you know, how you can change things now in the space of four or five games is. is Again, I find really difficult. I don't find I don't, I don't understand that thinking, and it's just being as you say, it's just it's just desperation stakes in, in some st- some clubs. And I, I, you think you think if you got rid of somebody at this stage of the season, you'd have somebody lined up. But for a lot of clubs, that doesn't appear to be the case, does it? And even if the ones who appear to have people lined up, it's the same old names, isn't it? There's there's no one really fresh and new out there, you know. People like Mr. Rafa Benitez and, and a few other names like that, isn't it? Who are just kind of loosing around, waiting for that next opportunity to come. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just, I, I, always, I always go back to what Martin Diol says when he was manager of the full, not the Premier League, that once you stick away the veneer of the hype and the, you know, all that type of stuff and the entertainment and billion down contracts, is the Premier League, a lot of it's run in a very amateurish way. And you see that at this stage of the season, don't you? It's just amateurs, isn't it? It's not very progressive, is it? In terms of, no. say, is like you're not bringing in the next David Moyes, as you know, what the way Everton did when he was 38 or something. It's just the same old names, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, I don't understand if like you're sacking somebody, but you've got nobody to replacement when you've only got like eight games left or whatever. It's just. To see him start, and it is a massive gamble. It's just being said. I mean, I don't think we've seen the last of the uh, the departures, have we? I think if you were Steve Cooper, you'd possibly David you'd be is, is possibly hanging on by a thread. Given yeah, yeah, the well, when they won on Saturday, they they had a band yeah. the same boys out, and there was a few certainly not impressed even after a, a one nil half yeah. one. I think I think Moyes should be going only anyway. It's just a question of when, but it just—it just—it just seems so amateur to me that these are professional outfits. And I'd like to face it, we've been guilty of some some of these behaviours. Um, that 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 they're just making it up as they go along. Mm. To be fair, right, gents. I think we will leave things there. I think we've chewed the fat enough over Everton's defeat to Manchester United 
and the relegation picture in the Premier League as a whole. We will, of course, be back on Friday to look back on Sean Dyche's pre-Fulham press conference and, of course, look ahead to that huge game at Goodison Park on Saturday afternoon as Everton welcome former boss Marco Silva and his Fulham side to the old lady. But for now, thank you very much for listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.